This morning we have a guest preacher with us this morning, and his name is Bobby Drodowski. And we have his better half with him, which is Mary Beth, and their beautiful daughter is with him as well, Trinity. Would you give them a warm welcome this morning as they come and share God's word with us? And thank you so much. Um, you may not know me, but some of your kids might. I've done some things with uh, Pastor Ben where we've gotten our youth groups together and uh, did some youth outings a couple years back, and that's been a real joy. And when my friend um, Ben asked me to come and um, help him out with sabbatical, I was, uh, I was very excited to do that. I know he's got a new baby, and that's, that's pretty neat. And anytime I can help uh, Ben, I want to do that. So thank you for having me um, here with you today. I got to say, um, we were at the Cheesecake Factory last night, and when that song lyrics comes up, I sing for joy. I'm thinking about that cheesecake that I had. <laughs> it's good stuff, good stuff. That was actually breakfast this morning. That's how we do it at my house. So wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I am, um, my name is Bobby Drodowski. I am the youth pastor at Bloom Baptist Church in Lithopolis, about 40 minutes from here, 45 minutes. I've been there for seven years. I really enjoy working with teenagers. So I might not have the polish of a senior pastor, but I think you can bear with me for a couple minutes on a Sunday morning. Um, but I'm very happy to be here this morning. Uh, I'm a little jealous of your town, though. See, one of my favorite places in the world is not too far from here. It's Lynn's, Lynn's Fruit Farm. Anybody do some apple picking there in a couple weeks? Wow, I'm excited. So that is, that is just a treasure trove of memories um, for me. I love, um, I love this time of year and being able to do that. And I was very close to here. Gets me very excited. We may even hit the market on the way home. Um, if you have a Bible this morning, you can open that up. We're just going to be hitting on one verse today. One verse today. It's going to be in 1 Peter, and it's going to be in chapter 13. Or I'm sorry, chapter 3. Excuse me. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 15. That's where we got the 15. 1 Peter 3, 15. And you have probably seen this one before. Perhaps this has been um, the topic of a Sunday school lesson uh, for your group. Um, but we're going to be exploring that one today. Uh, I just want you to know, I have been uh, in ministry of some sorts, primarily in um, youth and uh, college, like young adults, for almost 20 years now. I know, I know, I'm, this looks so young, just so young. You know, I could be in Awana this fall with some of your kids, but it's been almost 20 years for me. And um, I have learned that the older I get, the less I seem to know because I have the capacity to understand that there's so much more out there that I don't know. Of course, when I was 18, 19, I knew everything, all right, as you do, okay, and then you just start losing knowledge, right? But it's more like 
the percent of what you don't know just gets bigger and bigger. But I have a good encouragement um, for you today, Christian. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to know it all. And we're going to be looking at living life as a Christian without all the answers. Does anybody in here have a hard time sharing their faith with anybody? It's like, that makes me a little nervous, okay? Even as a pastor, like talking to teenagers, no big deal. But if I'm at the gas station pumping gas and there's someone next to me, you know, that's a little different story, isn't it? Well, what if they, what if they ask me something and I can't answer that? What if I, they ask me and I am just completely dumbstruck? Let's look at that verse there, 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And there's more to that, and that is good stuff. But I really want to focus there on um, section B of that uh, verse. And perhaps your Bible says it in this way, be prepared to give a defense. Be prepared to give a defense. And the word there um, for that particular um, uh, description is apologia, okay, if we're looking at in the Greek. And it means to give a defense or a reason for it. So I have a little picture there of like a courtroom because that's what I think of when you're preparing a defense is perhaps um, you're, you're a lawyer or a counselor. And there's a lot of people through history who have been um, apologists, all right? That would be the term for someone that would give the defense. And we're not talking about someone that goes around and says, I'm sorry for everything, all right? We're talking about someone that is going to defend the faith. And a, a couple of them like uh, Justin Martyr, um, Tertullian, St. Clemens, uh, Jan Hus, uh, some more modern ones are uh, Gary Bates and the late Ravi Zacharias, who was actually a hero of mine. And then you, then you find out that uh, um, maybe his life wasn't um, as pure as you'd like to be. And then your heart's a little broken. Um, don't ever meet your heroes, right? Is that how that goes? Um, but these are people that spend their life um, dedicating their very lives to figuring out the intricacies of the Christian faith and how that intersects with the world as all people experience it. And it can be very uplifting things the, to finally find the answers to why or to at least give some reasonings for why. But... For us, does this directive mean being able to explain everything about the Christian faith? Does that mean that each one of us needs to be an apologist and dedicate our lives to digging out uh, the answers of, of every little thing? No. No, it doesn't. It says here... Peter tells us, give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Be able to give the reason why you have hope. 
the reason why you have faith in Jesus. That's what he's talking about right here. Why? Why do you have faith in Jesus? It's not asking for us to be able to give a reason why God allows bad things to happen. It's not asking us to give a reason why bad people get away with things. Why We're not asked to tell people why there's no air in space or why dogs like to sniff things. Why is the world made the way that it was made? That's not what this passage is asking us to do. Those are all these questions that we come up with in our minds when we think, if I try to share my faith with this person, they're going to ask me that. And if I can answer that question properly, that person will come to faith in Christ. I don't think I'm going to be able to answer that properly so it'll be my fault that they don't know Jesus, and I just don't want that responsibility. But that's not at all what this passage is telling us. Now, to know the answer to these questions and others, if they can be known at all, it's, it's good so that you can help um, others, but it's not a mandate given by this passage. When it comes down to it, our faith in Christ is not an intellectual thing. It's a wise thing, given all the alternatives for sure, but it's a faith thing. It's a heart thing. It's realization that we're sinners and we're in need of someone to take care of that sin in our lives. It's not who created God. The answer to that will not lead us to faith. We're not mandated to be able to answer that question. What is our defense then? What is the thing that we are needing to have in season and out of season? And that is simply your testimony. Your testimony. How you came to Christ. Why you have faith in Christ. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why are you not lured by other things or false gods? Why did you choose Jesus? What is your story, and how does God intersect with that? That is your testimony. And the neat thing about your testimony is that you've already got all the information. You don't need a, a list of notes. If it happened to you, it happened to you. Someone can't bulldoze your testimony to say, I was this way before Christ. Jesus intervened in my life, and now everything's different. Someone can't say, no, you don't feel that way. No, that's not true. I can look into your heart. That's not true. No one can bulldoze your testimony. Not one. I've heard it said this. If you hear something, if you hear about something, there's a chance that you might doubt it. But it happened, if it happens to you, then there's no doubt about it. You know. You know. There was a, 
a man that um, was born blind, and Jesus intersected his life. And these Pharisees came after him. There was this big inquisition over this guy. Who healed you? I, I don't know what his name is. Well, is, he, is it Jesus over there? It's like, yeah, that's him. Well, that can't be him. He's a sinful man. And the, blind, the formerly blind man said, whether he's a sinful man or not, I don't know. All I know is that I was once blind and now I see. No one could steal this man's testimony from him. It happened. He wasn't the blind guy who Jesus healed, so he's still feeling around for stuff. He was a blind man healed. If it happens to you, there's no doubt about it. But what if it, it makes me feel uncomfortable, okay? If you're still feeling this way, it makes me feel uncomfortable to talk about my faith sometimes because I don't have all the answers, because there are people out there that want the answers. They want to know, okay? And I think that that's fair. I think it's fair because we do, we do live in a world that is, is kind of tough, really tough. So around where I live, on Friday night, there was a football game, okay? Groveport, Madison versus Canal Winchester, and it was at Groveport. Um, and apparently, with two minutes left to go, there were people shooting off guns in the parking lot at each other. No one was hurt. People were detained. But I had one of my students who goes uh, to that school. He was working at that football game. And he called me that night. And he called my wife. And he called my daughter. And he tried to get a hold of me. And he, and he did. I was asleep, okay, because I'm old and I go to sleep early. All right. But I finally, uh, he finally got a hold of me. And he called me. And he told me this stuff. And I just thought, what on earth is the world coming to? I didn't really have a good answer for him about why it happened. But I just, you know what? I love you. I'm so glad that you're safe. I'm glad that your brother is safe. We live in a crazy, crazy world. We do. And maybe we don't have all the answers. Has anybody seen a waterfall before? Raise your arm if you've seen a waterfall. If you look up at the screen, you've you got to be raising your arm now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is a waterfall? It's when the water falls, right? I don't know who named that thing, but it was Captain Obvious, I think. Waterfall. Yeah. A point where water is going down, and then it just drops. And it's pretty. We like, we like waterfalls. We like hearing them. Okay, I like looking at them. I, we drank from one not too long ago when we got lost on a hike. Okay, so that was refreshing. But there's this whole system out there, ecology, and how like waterfalls and water tables and plant life and animal life and it all fits together in this way where if you take something out, something's missing and then other things... Uh, interfere and they take over an invasive species and yada da 
and it's called ecology, and I don't know a whole lot about it. I like waterfalls. I don't know much about ecology and how they fit into it. I don't need to know a whole lot about waterfalls to enjoy them and experience them, though. I don't need to know where that water is coming from. What's the tributary? What's the highest point in that waterfall as it's traveled down the mountain or the hill or wherever it's coming from? I don't need to know about that to look at that waterfall and say, that's beautiful. That's refreshing. I love the sound so much that that's a sound machine. I think that my knowledge of ecology, if I was to seek that out, could enhance my appreciation of waterfalls and the majesty of how God makes that work. I'll tell you what, a little side note. So I started out um, my career as uh, an exercise science major, which I understand that uh, Pastor Ben did as well. So we have that in common. And I took classes at Columbus State, and I took a, um, a physiology class, which if you don't know what that is, that's the study of small things going on in your body to make bigger things happen, is how I'd put it. And let me tell you what, I don't know how a single person could go into that class not believing in God or a God of some sort and come out the same way. Because the human body makes no sense if we're here by chance. No sense whatsoever. The smaller you get, the more you believe in God. Just looking at that class, my appreciation for our Lord grew ten times. It's amazing. My appreciation for the waterfall and how God puts that all together would probably grow even more if I studied ecology. But I don't have to, to appreciate that waterfall, do I? Do you need to know everything about God to enjoy and experience Him? I don't think that you do. I don't think that you do. Could your knowledge of theology enhance your appreciation of God? Absolutely it could. The deepening of your understanding of God, what we can know. Because I don't think we can fully know God on this side of glory. But we can deepen our appreciation and understanding of Him if we knew more. But it doesn't uh, restrict us from enjoying and experiencing Him. The same holds true for just about anything, though. To understand further, it improves your appreciation of something. But it, doesn't us it isn't usually required for you to benefit from it. Certainly it isn't here. Um, there was a group of, uh, of Christians in the early days of the church called the Gnostics. And this was a group of people that believed that you needed to have secret knowledge in order to be saved, in order to understand who Jesus was. And if you didn't know certain things, then you couldn't be a part of the club. 
and they were just wrong. They were just wrong. You don't have to be able to answer everything about God to love him and to trust him or to even share who he is with someone else. I had a friend, a, a late friend, he died in uh, 2020 at the age of 70, um, and his name was Marty. And I met Marty in 2009. Um, as a personal trainer, um, I was in, a, in counseling. I was in Christian counseling at the time. I think that counseling is good, um, and I think it's good for everybody. And I made a contact uh, with Marty. He was in need of some fitness instruction. And I jumped at the opportunity as a, as a new trainer. Um, the caveat was this. Marty was a special needs guy. He had uh, mental delays. He could drive a car and he held a job and his house was nicer than mine and I liked that guy. He was a little awkward and he called me a lot. Okay? And Marty came to know Jesus in, I believe it was uh, 2017, 2018 in there. And boy, I'll tell you what, I just don't think his brain had the capability of answering all the questions that someone might ask about Jesus, but he didn't need to. He didn't need to. He knew that he needed a Savior, and he knew that Jesus was that Savior. What else do we need to know there? God wouldn't make it too hard to where we couldn't achieve it. Because we already know that our achievements is not what God is after, right? Not our works, but by our faith. Guys, it is okay to say these three words, I don't know. Does anybody in here know about electricity? I don't. I know when I flick the switch, the power comes on, hopefully. And if it doesn't, I've got an issue that I have to try to figure out, and it's usually an entire Saturday with shocking results. <laughs> but no one would, no one walking down the street would think that I was an idiot for not knowing how the electricity is working in my house, right? I can't believe you don't know how uh, circuits work. And I don't even know. I'm not even smart enough to know the terminology for it. I know, I know some electricians, and they do amazing stuff, and it is, it's crazy. My daughter has wired up circuits, and I don't know how to do it. Thank God for FFA. But no one would think, oh, he doesn't know anything. What an idiot. He doesn't know how electricity works. Crazy. No one, would, no one would think that. I don't feel ashamed of not knowing all the answers when it came to that. It's okay to say, I don't know. We shouldn't be ashamed if we don't know the answer to every theological question that someone might have. We tend to study what we love, and God should be no different. 
You know, my love of God causes me to seek out those answers. My heart wants to know them. But not having all the answers does not disqualify you from your experience or being able to give your answer for your faith, the reason for the hope that's in your heart. That's what we should know. That's what we should know. The only question that we need to answer is this. What is the reason for the hope that we have? What is the reason? Why are you here today? That is the question that we need to be able to answer. I'm going to invite our music team to come up here. But I want to spend just a second here to pray with you. All right. And we want to be able to, to know what the answer is to that question. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, you've given us a reason to be hopeful, and the reason is Jesus. Lord, if there's someone in here whose heart doesn't have that answer inside, I pray that they would do business with you today to make that different. Help us to know that, hey, we don't have to know everything, but we need to know you. That's the entire basis of our faith. That's the reason why we are here worshiping today. I can know nothing else in my life. I just need to know you. Help me to know you better. Help me to share you better. Help us to not be afraid to say, I don't know. Help us to not disqualify ourselves from sharing the grace that saved us with other people because we feel like we don't know it all. We don't, we, you know, we really can't know it all. You don't give us all the answers. There's room for faith. And I pray that as we move forward today, that that faith is what would be the driving factor in us wanting to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.